0: Get no
1: doubt. Get again. Get down. Hello, and welcome to Zoom with Zarney. Today is Friday, May 27th, and I'm very happy to have Jessica Hess, who is one of the lead organizers for the Syracuse Women's March, on our program today. Uh, obviously, with the uh, Alito draft opinion and the last four years under the Trump administration, the Women's March, a national organization, Uh, has grown to be a prominent voice for women and the syracuse women's march has also been very active recently uh and also working on other projects so i thought it was very important to have her on our program so i do hope you stick around for the interview uh we're headed into memorial day and uh there's a a lot of uh you know planning still going on for the uh, June uh, election and as well as the August primary. Um, this last week, uh, we finally got our maps uh, and uh, the lines have been set. Uh, and we, I have uh, detailed that with the commissioner in the car and a wonky Wednesday this week. So check out my uh, social media sites because all the information about how this uh, redistricting uh, affected out of County is right in there, and people are announcing as we speak. Uh, at the time of recording this program, um, we are we have four announced candidates for the new New York twenty-two: Fran Canole, Sarah Clee Hood, Chloé and Sam Roberts on the Democratic side, and two announced candidates: uh, Brandon Williams and a. Uh, a, a person by the name, I forget his first name, uh, but he ran for Congress against Claudia Tenia Wells is his last, is his last name. Uh, he's a Oneida County businessman and on the Republican side are announced. Now the first five, uh, uh, the four Democrats and Brandon Williams have actually already filed their, uh, certificates of nomination with the New York state board of elections. However, uh, the, uh, Mr. Wells has to actually file a petition. So he won't be an official candidate until June 10th. Those are known candidates for Congress. For state Senate, uh, we have two different Senate districts, the 50th and the 48th. The 48th, it looks like it'll be Rachel May versus um, uh, Julie Abbott-Keenan. Julie Abbott-Keenan was scheduled to run against John Mannion, but the district changed, and now she's running against Rachel May. And uh, John Mannion is running in the SD50. Um, and, uh, his, he does, he didn't have an opponent, but Rebecca Sheroff, who was the opponent for Al Sturpey in the assembly race, they are, um, she is moving up to run in the state Senate district for the newly created, uh, SD 50. So all of that stuff is happening right now. Rachel May and John Mannion have officially filed paperwork at the time of recording this, but, uh, Julie Keenan and Rebecca Sheriff have not found paperwork, uh, that were, but they have until May 31st. Uh, so that's uh, the, what's bringing you up to date. Remember, if you need an absentee, go to onvote.net. And check out this weekend, I will be doing a Sunday seminar in lieu of my Monday uh, commissioner in a car. We'll be talking about absentee ballots uh, this Sunday. Uh, so check that out as it airs and uh, absentee ballots are being issued for the June 28th primary, uh, you can go to our website, onvoke.net, or uh, your um, uh, and or call us and uh, and we can send you an application or uh, you can come into the Board of Elections to get your absentee. And early voting will start on June 18th. So check all that out. just uh, June 28th, we'll be voting for governor and lieutenant governor uh, and the town Pompey Republican committee will be having a committee vote. All right. Well, stick around for my guest, Jessica Hess, who is the uh, one of the heads of the Syracuse Women's March, uh, a local activist, former candidate, and uh, just an all-around uh, advocate for women. And I'm very happy to have her on. So enjoy the interview. And we're back. And I'm so happy have my good friend Jessica Hess uh, on uh, Zoom with Zarni. It's her first appearance here. She is one of the heads of the local Syracuse Women's March, uh, which has uh, been very active over the last few weeks. And I was hoping to have her on a couple of weeks ago, but my schedule and her schedule got very busy because of redistricting, but I'm so glad that she's here with us now. Um, and Jessica, thank you so much for coming on Zoom with Zarni.
0: I'm excited to be here, Dustin. Thanks for the invitation.
1: So uh, Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background and and why did you join uh, Syracuse Women's March?
0: Um, I've always been a bit of an activist. I moved to Syracuse in 2004 to go to college. I went to ESF for my undergrad degree. So I've always been really passionate about environmental issues. I started protesting when I was young, um, several trips to DC throughout college mostly about fracking at the time. Um, And I fell in love with the area and I stayed here. And over the course of being here, I've gotten really involved in a lot of local issues. And as most of us during the 2016 election cycle became very upset and angry over not just the candidates, but the the discourse that we all sort of had to endure during that time, it was very toxic. And um, during the like tail end of that election, we all started getting more and more panicky about what would happen should Donald Trump actually win. Um, And I started connecting with local women who were also feeling very threatened by the possibility of this man being in office and, Once uh, the election happened and he was officially going to be our next president, I quickly connected with a group of women who, like most of the women around the country, uh, got us very engaged and we planned something very fast to happen in January called the Women's March. Um, I unfortunately was not able to go to the Women's March in Washington DC but I was able to go to the Women's March here in the city of Syracuse and it was while not under the best of circumstances, it was certainly a very rewarding and thrilling thing to be a part of, to have that community the planning of that. Certainly, it certainly caught my attention. And I got very active afterward in League of Women Voters, in the Indivisible Movement. Um, and so I just stayed engaged. And then in 2018, or yeah, 2018, there was no March planned for the city of Syracuse. So I actually had to go to Seneca Falls to participate in that year's March. Um, And the next year, we a group of women who I sort of met through other channels had decided that there was that participants were the people who live here didn't have the opportunity to engage civically and, and protest uh, what was happening at the federal level. So we all got together and it's sort of been a, a changing group of folks currently exists now in January of 2019. So uh, you're, you know,
1: you've obviously got a long uh, history in local politics, but does, and, and of course, the central New York area has a long history in women's suffrage movement and uh, a, a, uh, you know, so it seemed like a natural fit. Uh, But why is it important to have a dedicated women's march group, uh, you know, that is doing these yearly marches, but you're not just doing that, you're doing other things throughout the year as well. Why is it so important in today's day and age uh, for this to continue?
0: From my perspective, I think the most important part of having a dedicated group of folks do this year after year is the connections that we're able to make. Um, The first year of the Women's March, and I think even the second year of the national event, there was a lot of blowback about who was and was not included, what voices we might've been missing from the speakers at those events. And so, having a dedicated group of folks here in Central New York who are familiar with the the people who live here, the communities that are here, is very helpful, so that we can continue to build on those relationships and make sure that the folks who should be at the table are at the table whenever we're planning these marches. And while we're certainly not perfect at you know making sure that there's full diversity at all of our events, we do try very hard, and we've worked for years now at Fostering these sort of trusting relationships with parts of the community, um, and I think that that's really important.
1: So, you know, we've been we how do how do what are the other things besides? I mean, obviously the march is important, and the, and the yearly annual march um, is important. But what are the other things that the Syracuse Women's March or women's marches across uh, the country do throughout the year?
0: Um, specifically for us here, we. our our core group of organizers represents a pretty diverse swath of the community. So one of our organizers is a a woman refugee from Syria. We have a Black woman who is part of our core group. We have an LGBTQ member who's a part of our group. Um, So we try really hard to pay attention and keep our finger on the pulse of all of the issues that are affecting people in our country and in our state. And so Because we're constantly paying attention we also want to make sure that we're reacting appropriately when we find something that doesn't, that doesn't feel right, that doesn't support the people that we care about. Um, So over the course of the last four years we've held. Obviously, our annual marches. We had a vigil for the death of George Floyd. Um, we participated in a lot of the Black Lives Matter events around the town and the city when that when those marches were happening. Um, we rallied to support our Asian American community against all of the hatred that they've seen recently, especially due to COVID now. Um, and just generally anytime I mean gun rights we've we helped with um, the march for our lives here. We have a young man, um, Max and I can never say his last name correctly so I will not do I will not butcher it but he is um, he's always been a, a happy participant with us and he has also been a participant with the March for our lives and so we work together to make sure that we're addressing issues that affect young people. So it's really anything and everything that affects people, who are not cishet white men that we feel we should be standing up for on a regular basis as, you know, women and non-binary folks and trans folks who are here in our community.
1: And we really are kind of at an intersection these weeks, (laughs) these last few weeks. All of what you've talked about is coming... (laughs) you know, is coming together and it's like in a, in a very horrible way, uh, you know, but all of these issues are still with us. And, you know, I think a lot of people what um, after the uh, election of Joe Biden and and uh, deposing and, and of Donald Trump took a little bit of sigh of relief and said, well, you know, we're, we're going to get better. It's going to get better. And uh, you know, these what we're finding is that like, you know, the things that have that created the ability for a man like Donald Trump to get elected is still in our society. And we, we see that with this, the shootings in Buffalo um, and uh, Texas. But we, I think we most saw like a, a realization. I think a lot of people came to this realization when uh, the draft memo from uh, Justice Alito uh, that is threatening to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, so I'd like to give you a space to talk about why this is important, why we should be paying attention at this moment in history.
0: I think for many of us for the past five years, we all we all sort of saw the writing on the wall, but a lot of a lot of the community was not sort of willing to accept that this was the direction that our country was headed in. Um, We all have been told at one point of time, one point of time or another, that we're being hysterical, that we're overreacting, that you know we're making something out of nothing, that that could never happen. And so I think for a lot of us, at least for me, my first response was, "Well, I told you so," you know. And then came the anger, the anger at the inability of other people to recognize that there are serious and continuing threats, not just to women, but to everybody in our country. And so the the leaked opinion, while not an official opinion yet, right? It's important to acknowledge that Roe v. Wade has not been overturned yet, abortion is still legal in our country. It is a harbinger of what is to come, which is not just an assault on women's reproductive rights, but an indication of their intent to attack other issues that we have fought so hard to get protected in our country, Um, whether it's gay marriage or um, the right to contraception even is potentially under attack with this draft opinion. Um, And so While at the moment, somebody watching this may say, well, that Roe v. Wade doesn't really affect me. That might be true. You might be at a point in your life where that opinion, if it's overturned, doesn't affect you. Mostly because here in New York, we passed a bill that would codify the right to an abortion. But maybe in your life you're no longer having children or you're a man or you're you know, non-binary or you're gay. and so maybe it doesn't affect you directly. But do not for a moment think that the intent of the GOP is not to then come for other rights that we all, we all hold dear. Um, and so for us, especially in a state where, I think we're fairly well protected, not perfectly protected. There is still work to be done in New York, but in a place where it seems like we're safe, it's very important for us to continue to pay attention to what's happening in these other states, in their legislatures, because we have friends and family that exist in these other places, and we all care about folks who do not have the luxury to pick up sticks and move to a place where their reproductive rights may be protected. And so to me, we are all only as good as the least of us, right? And if there are places in our country where nobody has access to healthcare, where we're back to a place where you can't talk about the fact that you're gay, the fact that you can't marry the love of your life, the fact that you can't get life-saving treatment because you're a trans boy, like the the threats that we see are myriad and they are they're terrifying. And so everybody needs to be paying attention.
1: Yeah, so I was um, I lived in Florida in the early 90s and uh, I, it was 1993 when Dr. David Gunn was uh, gunned down uh, you know and it, it, it seemed like you know I did a lot of counter protesting I was you know younger did a lot of counter protesting did a little bit of escort uh, you know for uh, doctors and patients at, at, at abortion clinics as a volunteer. Um, and it seemed like then I thought, well, this, this is, uh, making people realize that the rhetoric, uh, is too much and that, you know, we're going that we're going to dial back from this. And, and, and while it, it looked like it did for a little while, it's amazing where we've come since then, because it seems like we've turned back the clock several decades and this Supreme Court that, you know, I remember when, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. I remember that night very vividly, saying, "This is, you know, a turning point because they will get this six-three majority. That there will be no ability of uh, Justice Roberts to, uh, to, you know, moderate. Even though he's not a moderate by any stretch of the means, but to moderate this arch conservative court, and they will be coming for." Row, they will be coming for, uh, you know, gay marriage, they will be coming even for contraception and, and these other uh, cases. And you're right, I, I hear what you're saying about like, you felt anger that and a kind of and I told you so moment because I remember that too. It was like when when, when the draft came out, I was like, why is everybody so surprised? <laughs> you know, this is what was going to happen. They've been telling us this, even though they lied under oath, to the Senate and said that this was precedent and that they weren't and and Kevin I was saying precedent upon precedent. Uh you know uh that um it, all you know uh all three justices that were appointed under Trump all said they respect precedent. It doesn't look like that is true. Uh so why um you know everybody's looking for something to do. In, in the wake of this. And I I'm a big advocate of voting, of course, but I also hear when they say voting's not enough. And I agree with that. We're, we're, at, a, we're at a at a place where voting is the least you can do. What are what are other things that people can do that if they want to get involved and and help fight against this moment we're in? I
0: think that there are a lot of options for folks um, and I think that those options sort of depend upon your comfort level and your level of safety, right? Like somebody that looks like me has a lot more options in terms of what they can and cannot do to protest what's happening versus a black woman or a trans man. Um, and so it's really about looking at what you have to bring to the table, what your skill sets are, what your safety level is, and then connecting with organizations that are doing the work. Um, like I said, here in. In New York, we're kind of, we have a difficult spot for us because it's not like we can directly lobby our senators for, you know, because our senators don't support a woman's right to choose. We are lucky to have state senators and federal senators who do support a woman's right to choose, but that doesn't mean you don't call them. You still have to call them and let them know that these issues are very important to you. And especially for Senator Schumer, who is the majority leader in the Senate, you need to call his office and tell him that he has to has to take steps to abolish the filibuster so that we can pass and codify Roe v. Wade in law versus leaving it up to the courts because clearly the courts have have lost our trust as a people. And so that's really important. So you call Senator Gillibrand, you call Senator Schumer's office and you let them know that the filibuster is no longer an applicable and and, and necessary thing, especially when it comes to life-saving legislation that they need to be passing. Um, We do currently, though he is retiring, have a Republican congressperson, Congressman Katko, uh, who represents most of this district that I'm sure the folks that watch this would be represented by, and you can certainly call his office. He has voted against abortion funding, he has voted against um, a woman's right to choose numerous times, but it is still important for you to call him and let him know what your opinion is about the necessary access to reproductive rights. Um, Additionally, I would say it's about connecting with organizations that work in a lot of these other states where women's reproductive rights are under attack. Um, I would recognize or I would recommend, aside from Planned Parenthood, the Planned Parenthood is a wonderful organization to donate to. They are fighting for access to abortion and contraceptives and reproductive rights all across the country, um, but I would specifically recommend donating to either you know monetarily or with your time and talent to Black-led and minority women-led reproductive justice organizations. Um, there's a few that I can sort of read for you that I think would be great places to start. Um, the first is sort of an umbrella organization. It's called In Our Own Voice, and they work with Eight Black women-led reproductive justice organizations across the country. Um, those organizations are Black Women for Wellness, Black Women's Health Imperative, New Voices for Reproductive Justice, Sister Love Inc., Sister Reach, Spark Reproductive Justice Now, AFIYA Center, and A Woman with a Women with a Vision. Um, and so those are just a few of the organizations that are. Black or minority led, that I think it's really important that we support, especially right now, because it will be Black and minority women who have the hardest time accessing these rights should Roe be overturned.
1: So that and that's important. That's why I started this podcast was to be able to get people connected to action in this area. And and and, and that's why. The first half of the year, I deal with democracy advocates or issue advocates like yourself uh, and not candidates because, well, I have plenty of time for candidates, but it's important to know that there's plenty of places to get involved and you do not have to despair. You can be involved. Um, And yes, you can vote too, uh, but uh, if you want, (laughs) and that's important, but if you want to be involved on a, on a, on a deeper level that, um, You know that is there for you as well. Um, So, what's next for the Syracuse Women's March? What what's coming down the pike? Is there anything? I I know you just had a big action. um, You know, uh, uh, with Planned Parenthood just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I know there's, and you know, I know there's, um, you know, there was that. But what what's next? Uh, What are there? Is there anything you can share with us right now? of things that you're planning for doing, uh, you know, organizing for?
0: Um, Aside from sort of continuing to keep an eye on the news about access to reproductive rights, which we try to respond to in real time, the next, the the topic that we are currently discussing is around gun control and gun violence, um, mostly in response to this tragedy that just happened in Texas. So that may be something that you see come up in the next um, few days, we may have an announcement about that. Um, but other than that, we we really try to, to keep an eye on what's happening and respond in real time to what's happening to the news. And there will, of course, be our annual Women's March in January. Um, but you can keep an eye on what we're doing. We do have a Facebook page that we post to all the time, as well as an Instagram. Um, and you can reach out to us at any time. There's, uh, let me get you an email because that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with Nada O'Day, who is the woman who, uh, she's from Syria and she helps us with all of our communication stuff. So it's at gmail.com. and Nada will get back to you. So if you have any, any questions or topics that you think that we should be talking about, or if you would like to get involved in our organization, that's a great place to reach out to.
1: And all that, I'll try to put into the show notes as well. Uh, Jessica, I always like to, you know, we're coming on that half hour mark that I, that I like to kind of end, the, end these on, but um, I always like to end with one question, which is what haven't we talked about that you want to get out there? What, is it, what it? What haven't we touched on that you feel is important, whether it's uh, with Syracuse Women's March or some other issue uh, that you'd like uh, people to know about.
0: Um, I would say there's probably two things. The first yeah, that's fine. is that <laughs> <laughs> the first is that um, while we're talking about these these big sort of national topics that affect so many of us, that many of the many of the people who end up making these huge decisions on the federal level started in a much smaller. Uh, scene. And so we've seen across the country this push for folks from the far far right to start getting more involved in politics, starting with things like the school board. And so for me, I think if we would like to begin to protect and codify so many of these rights that we believe in, one of the most important places for us to start is to get involved in local school board races, step up and run. If you want to protect our children's access to quality education and you want to make sure that kids who are trans are able to be themselves in the classroom and you want to protect teachers who are doing their absolute best, then that's a good place to start, but also that allows us to start building a bench of folks who are able to become county legislators who are able to become state senators who are able to become Congress people and senators at the state at the federal level so that we then can can make a huge difference in what our, the, what our country looks like and how it serves us. And it's made up of people like you and like me, people who just care about what's happening. Um, so that's the first thing I would say is please run for school board <laughs> or anything else you wanna run for, but school board is very important and often gets forgotten. And then the other thing I would say is please, please recognize that we are all in a constant state of trauma response nowadays and to be kind to yourself and be kind to other people because you may not know what everybody is facing in their own existence and so we all need to be there to support each other and to be able to take a step back when we need to so that other people can step forward and so that we're all continuously fighting but do not shame anyone who needs to take a step back from from this very difficult work.
1: Yeah that's uh I, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is so important that you, you, this work is important and it seems like you have to be on 24 seven and you, you know, and we are in a, uh, a turning point. We are in a, in a, an inflection point of our country, but we need fresh warriors as well as warriors. We need people that, you know, are, around their families, because that's why we're fighting for it. But also, you know, if it's overwhelming, there's others that will will, will come to the forefront and, and fight the fight while we um, recharge. You know, don't give up, <laughs> but- uh,
0: Absolutely not. You can't give but up. Take you, care you of
1: yourself. You. But take care of yourself. That's so important. Well, Jessica, um, thank you once again. Uh, tell us how to uh, reach uh, Syracuse Women's March one more time, please.
0: Yeah, so Facebook, it's the, probably probably one of the easiest spots. If you want a quick response from us, we all watch the Facebook Messenger, um, the Syracuse Women's March on Facebook. Otherwise, you can email womenmarchsyracuse at gmail.com.
1: All right, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on Zoom with Zarni. Thank you. And uh, next week, uh, I uh, will actually start my candidate interviews. Uh, for the 2022 cycle, because we are starting to get kind of late. I'll have uh, uh, Ted Limpert, who's running for county court judge, uh, joining us. Uh, And uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's uh, known him for a long time. And uh, he's been on before, and he's running for county court judge this year. And so we're going to start with that. Um, this week, I released a wonky Wednesday on the redistricting. What else? Uh, uh, all of the different uh, Senate and congressional lines that were changed by the special master. So I did a sneak peek on that on Wednesday. Um, next Wednesday, uh, I'll, I'll be doing a wonky Wednesday on the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, because we do have a Supreme Court seat. So I'll start, start my wonky Wednesdays and my Zoom with Zarnies are going to start focusing on this year's elections, uh, you know, as we head towards uh, the three elections that we have, June 28th for uh, the governor uh, primaries and assembly, although we have no assembly primaries here in Onondaga County. And there is a Republican town committee primary in the town of Pompeii, along with the governor and lieutenant governor. And then uh, on uh, August 23rd, we'll have a congressional and state Senate primary. We don't know what those primaries are yet. Uh, We'll find out uh, on June 10th who the candidates are for that, although watch my Facebook and Twitter feed, because as they become official, I've been sharing that news. And uh, then, of course, the big election in November, the midterm election, uh, where uh, the new New York 22, both Senate seats in Orange County, all four Assembly seats are up, and uh, the uh, control of the United States uh, House of Representatives, as well as uh, this New York State Legislature is in your hands this uh, November. So no pressure, but you got to show up and bring some friends along with you as well. So uh, that's Zoom with Zarni, uh this week. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>